Our guest today is Stephen Bates, who is a business coach and founder of A Certain Change, who has made a lifelong career of helping his clients to develop and grow. Stephen is fascinated as to why entrepreneurs and business owners often block and sabotage themselves when they could achieve much more. If you'd like to know how he might be able to help you achieve more, we'll see you on the other side of the intro. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Coke, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favorite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business. Hello, Stephen, and welcome to the Cashflow Show. Hey, thank you for having me. I really appreciate you having me on. No problem. I've given a brief intro of um, who you are and I, what I think that you do, but how would you describe your business, A Certain Change, and what is your role within the business? I focus mainly, uh, there's two things I focus on. The first one in the intro you put in about people who sabotage themselves, and that I got interested in as a result of me starting my first business 20... Uh, eight years ago and uh, i noticed something that was going on and i thought hey, i'm really intrigued by that and that's the sabotage portion but the other thing that uh, i do is i provide leadership leadership and management training coaching mentoring and helping uh entrepreneurs move from solopreneur to business leader and helping them you know get the best out of their people really because that's that's the other area that fascinates me so in a nutshell it's all about people behavior it's all about getting the best results out of people when you do that by changing a behavior because a behavior creates a result so what i'm interested in is why did you choose that behavior compared to another one so it starts off with um sabotage that's my core speciality but then a lot of my clients then say well help me help me get the best out of my teams because i think a lot of my teams are, are not working at the best too so that's certain change in a nutshell it's about people behavior what intrigued me is obviously you mentioned the fact that you have been involved with a certain is it a certain change for 20 years or the or the people behavior business for um 20 years well certain change started in 2002 but my first business was as a physiotherapist so that's when people often go huh how come you're doing uh, business leadership work uh, and work with entrepreneurs and uh, can I give you a backstory? Because oh, please, way to oh, please. Yeah. So uh, I was I was lucky enough when I came out of school. I'm not going back to when I was five, but, <laughs> but <laughs> no, no. That, that, that's actually part of it. That, actually, when I get, I'll tell you that the five-year-old story. You'll understand sabotage and why people do it. But when I when I came out of school, I was I was actually you know top set of everything. I don't want to sound big-headed, but I was top set of everything. But I came out of school. I was bored. I shouldn't have done my A levels. I hardly was there at school and I was just bored, but I didn't know that until a few years later. But when I was about 23, I had a bright spark idea to be a physiotherapist. So I went off and did the training. And then years later, I started my first business. I trained in all sorts of other different therapies at the same time because I wanted to be good at helping people. Uh, and I it was almost like, why didn't I think of this before? The trouble happened. I was, and I was busy and I was seeing 40 to 50, you know, clients a week. And, you know, the world was rosy. I was earning more money than ever before. 
I had control of my time or so I thought. Um, so I started my first business and then I noticed something that really puzzled me. And this is where my brain suddenly went, what's going on? And I started to shift even, you know, within 18 months after starting my first business. And, and this was what I noticed. People came in with a sprained ankle or a bad shoulder or headaches or all sorts of different things, but they were all in pain and highly motivated to get themselves better. So they're really motivated to pay me money. They traveled, perhaps they couldn't work. They were losing money. They couldn't pick their kids up. They couldn't play their sports. So they were highly motivated. I did my work then lying on the couch, but then I gave them some simple things to do like stretch this, don't sit in front of the computer for eight hours, very simple stuff. They didn't sell them anything expensive. They didn't have to do anything. They just had to do some very simple things to help themselves in between sessions. And what I noticed was the people who took my advice got better faster. They were very happy. They referred clients to me. Everyone was happy. But I had a, a lot of other people when I asked them, did you do those things I showed you? They said, ah, oh, well, uh, yeah, I did them a bit or uh yeah i i forgot or and my favorite favorite uh, response was when they just went um and they didn't know why they hadn't done it <laughs> so they were happy to come to see me yeah it's crazy isn't it they were happy to come and see me pay me money well not happy but they know they needed to they wanted to get back into their life and everything else but they wouldn't do the simplest stuff to help them and this was a lot of people about 40 percent of people wow. and my brain just went yeah what's going on and that number, I think, has been pretty consistent all the way through every different avenue, everything I explored. So I went off and started exploring psychology and did training courses and did this and did that because I just want to answer this question. The, the, the thing that made me think was if we do it when we're so, so motivated because we can't walk properly, when and where else do we do it in our lives? And the answer is everywhere, in our relationships, in our businesses, in, in everything. So you, you were basically yeah. saying that as far as you were concerned, how many other times in our lives did we basically get what would be really considered good advice? And did we just throw it all away? Yeah, I, or we knew we could do something. And this is when we're talking about entrepreneurism and business. We, we could be um, going for that higher level client or we could be going for that higher level job or we could be charging more for our our services or we could just be speaking up in a meeting in all sorts of different areas and when when we are it's almost like if if you think i know i could do this i know i need to do this because i've got a problem but i'm not letting myself then you're observing yourself thinking why am i doing this we get frustrated with ourselves but there's something in our head that says i'm not going to let you i'm not going to let you put your prices up to the right level uh, can i give you an example of that yeah, I mean, I've got hundreds of these, but um, this was a client. It wasn't a client at the time. I was, on a, I was on a training course myself. I was a student. And I was listening to him asking a coach about a problem he had, which was when he got to a certain amount of money uh, he earned every month, he got to a, a ceiling, an artificial ceiling he put in, where he started to sabotage his sales calls. So this, this guy was really experienced, very knowledgeable, great results for his clients, great marketing, great sales. He did everything right, except when he hit a certain amount of money, and it was the same amount of money, every month and the moment he got close to that he started sabotaging his sales calls and he just didn't know why mm. so he knew he was he was throwing away money who didn't know why so i was listening to him talking to the coach and it was an open group discussion and i i contacted him and said give me half an hour i will find it and we had a chat on the phone and it was because if he earned too much money then he would be 
and then he would get criticised by, in this case, it was his mother. Oh, and this so, goes all the way. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Sorry, go no. So the reason why I stopped you there was that you're saying that if he earned too much money, he would be criticised by his mother. Yes. Okay. Except his his mother had nothing to do with his business, but it goes all the way back to when he was a kid, and this was about if he took took too much food at Sunday dinner when they had guest rounds, she would be embarrassed. So she told him never to take too much food at the table. Don't be greedy. Don't be a greedy boy. So what was more important to him, money in his business, 30 years later, or being told off by his mum? Wow. It, it, it's as almost as if he felt, he felt he wasn't entitled. Oh, well, that's the thing. He was entitled. That's the, that's the real him. That's why he was, you know, Doing I'm it. good at my job. Yeah. I'm good at my job. I, I know I can do it. I just sabotage these calls or mess them up almost sort of unconsciously, deliberately. Mm. But the need to be not criticized for being greedy was more important unconsciously, subconsciously. So I've got hundreds of those variations of those. Yeah. And that's, that's what I do with the clients who are frustrated because they know they're doing it, but they don't know why. But that's when they, their part of their brain hijacks them and says, no, 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 I'm not going to let you do this. And this is why sometimes um, we don't let ourselves have goals, because if you set a goal, that part of your brain that says, no, that's too dangerous to have that goal, it won't even let you set goals anymore. So one of the things I'd work with people is once we turn this, you know, this thinking off, then they said, well, I don't really know what I want to do, or I don't really know what my true value is, because the whole of their life, they've been told, don't be big headed, don't be, don't be arrogant, don't be this, don't be that. Oh. And they've never actually looked at themselves and said, it's okay for me to say I'm this good, or I can charge this amount of money. Uh, so I'll give another example if they want, if that's useful. Cool, please. There's um, another client. Uh, he was working for a very big, well-known company. Everybody listening to this would know the company. <laughs> and he stepped down because he was put into a management role and he just didn't think he uh, was the right person. He, was, he didn't want to be seen as being bossy. He didn't want to be seen as being big-headed and arrogant. So him, he couldn't take this leadership role on, even though he had the results. And this is the often the find. People do create good results, but they limit themselves. But everybody else says, you're amazing, you're brilliant, but they won't let themselves believe it. So he stepped down into a role where he was doing the same job, but only himself in a much smaller company. And then guess what happened? He got headhunted by uh, this big company's competition. Uh, that's when he contacted me and said, I've got an interview in two weeks. Help. Um, went to the interview. I, I messaged him afterwards, texted him afterwards, and he said, I sounded so arrogant in my head. But he spoke confidently about himself. But to him, that was arrogant. We'd only been working two weeks at the time. He got the job. So they didn't think he was arrogant. They thought, hallelujah, we found the person who can do this job for us. And now he's in the job, and now we're working on his skills as a leader. So he went He went from somebody who, who everybody else recognized as pretty good. He stepped down, and he, he instantly got a 20 grand pay rise. Because that's he was already that good, but he wouldn't let himself believe it was that good. Because he grew up in a community of you're not meant to be big-headed, you're meant to be humble. Um, so a lot of this comes from our childhood. So I say to, and I said to a client uh, just yesterday, who was bullied, mm. um, and I just said, um, so these bullies are controlling your cash flow. Yeah, They're, these bullies from twenty years ago are controlling the whole of your business strategy. And they just went, that's ridiculous. Boom, the behavior changes and they start to fix things. So that's the sabotage. It's always interesting with the sabotage 
but there's always a reason why we do it. If, Stephen, you've done much face-to-face -face networking. A fair bit, yes. Yeah. The, the fact is you see certain people who come in and they'll go into the room and they'll give their card to every single person without creating yeah. one relationship. Exactly, yes. It's, it's I actually all... had someone <laughs> shout at me across the room, shout my name across the room, and I was chatting to somebody. And then it was just like, are they talking to me? And it was literally someone from 20 feet away shouting at me. And then they just thrust, my, thrust their card in my hands. And I immediately turned to the person and went, how rude was that? Yeah. So what a great impression they created. <laughs> but well, yeah, sorry, you, I interrupted. But. Exactly, because you won't remember them for who they are. You'll just remember for what, them for what they did. Yeah, and when, when you do networking, the thing is, it's like, what's your strategy? That's the first thing I'll say to somebody. Because, you know, if you think you're going to emulate the person who is just a natural raconteur and feels comfortable with people. You don't have to be that person. But this is this is another way of form of sabotaging. I think I need to be like that person over there, but I'm not that person. So that's when we get trip ourselves up in this example of networking. We this is I actually worked with somebody who said, I'm Mr. Networker. I connect everybody, but I'm not making any money out of this, but I'm helping everybody else out. <laughs> so just because you're really good at chatting to people doesn't mean you're going to make any money out of the networking. So, my, you know, that's a great example. But I would actually work with my clients and say, well, if you're the quiet, and I don't even like the word introvert because it leads people down the wrong path. But if you're the quiet, shy sort of person, remember, there's a lot of quite shy, uh, quiet, shy people who run businesses too, because you're not the only one. Come and chat to them. They'll love it. So you don't, you don't have to be the person you're not. And that's, that's a recipe for disaster. But yes, some people are naturally good at it. But it doesn't mean they're actually earning any money. It's, that's often the illusion, just because they're loud. Yeah, yeah that's true. And um, I think what the Americans call survivorship bias, we only talk about the people that are loud and successful. We only talk about the Elon Musks or the Jeff Bezos or, or the Steve mm -hmm. Jobses. We don't talk about the people who are on the, the radar. They just come in, get the job done, make their money and quietly then slip off. And yes. there is a fascination, an almost cultish fascination with, you know, people Miss who have... I call them missiles. Yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because these are the people who are laser focused on their big objective. Mm. And that is very, wow, they produce amazing results. But a missile locks in on one target, but then you go and talk to them. How many marriages have they messed up? What's their health like? Do they have any friends? <sighs> you're, you're speaking from my playbook, because this is exactly the point that I make with a lot of people. As I said, you look at those people and they are in, usually intensely unhappy people mm. because they are so because... focused on that one thing. And they haven't achieved it yet. Yeah. And then when they've achieved it, they make it bigger because and most of these people are doing this because not everybody, because if I achieve this level of success, that's when I'm good enough. That's when I can be happy. That's when I can have relationships. And most people in the world are very unsexy plate spinners yeah, because they want a relationship. They want to spend time with their kids. They want to go on holiday. They want to go, you know, and do their hobbies, but it's not a sexy. It's like leadership and management. People want to be leaders, but actually the money is in the management. Yeah. Yeah. So people don't want management training. 
even though that's one of the most cost effective and useful things you can implement in your business if it's done right. And knowing the difference between leaders and managers, but leadership is a sort of sexy word. I'm a leader, but managers are actually the things that control everything and make it efficient and make sure things work. Of course, because that's, I always look at how business has changed. Um, I'm going back a bit, so I'm going to expose my age. When I was a kid, there was a, uh, a, uh, a thingy on an, an advert for Remington shavers. Um, and it was a guy called Victor Kayam. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and it was fascinating to me because I'm Victor Kayam. I love this shaver so much I bought the company. And I, as I said, mm. I was just a little kid then. But it, it fascinated me that this guy was saying, talking about this shaver that he loved so much. And he was one of the few kind of what we describe now as CEOs that mm. basically was around, you know, at that particular time. Whereas now CEOs are everywhere. If you look under your sofa, you'll find a CEO. Um, yeah. And it was quite interesting is that so many people want to be that person. And when it comes down to it, the difficulties that they experience when they become that person, that responsibility, because now, once upon a time where things went wrong, you could disappear into the sunset as the MD and nobody would really know. Once you're the CEO and you're front facing on your own Twitter, Instagram, mm. Facebook, TikTok, you, you know, the, the pressures there are just probably quite insurmountable for most people. Yeah, so, so to, to simple question of that is why do they want to be the person on the advert? So understanding motivation is the key to understanding behavior. Yeah, true. If you want to change behavior, change the motivation. So somebody who, you know, maybe good marketing policy, say, and it's a really clever strap line, you know, I like so much, I bought the company. But it's, do you, you know, I, I say to people, first thing is be yourself and then let's up your skills in a particular area you need skills in. So again, this is back to, if you're, if you're good at what you do, is it okay to be you being good at what you do? Because at some level, in some place, there will be a client who wants what you've got at that level. And sometimes we push so much, do we need to be at this level? I mean, do we someone like this? And actually, no, well, you might get there in five years time, but somebody at this level already wants your product. If it's viable or your service, you're already good enough. Right. And it's the, it's the doubts we have, that sabotage that says, I can't say, honestly, I am really, really good at this. You know, I know people who want that validation. And letting yourself be honest with yourself, because one of the things I have worked with is uh, clients who everybody else says you're brilliant. And they say everybody else, you know, uh, says I should go for this role, but I don't think I'm good enough. Well, actually, you're the only one who's disagreeing. <laughs> um, yeah. Or and I said, have you produced results for your client? They go, oh, yes. And they say, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. So that part of their brain is there going, you're good. It's that little voice that says, yeah, but you can't say that or you can't charge that or you can't tell anybody that. So people often with this problem um, underprice, underpromote or underniche themselves. And mm -hmm. it's not because not because they can't do it. It's just because they won't let themselves. So that's the first. It's the fastest. It's like um, you're driving along in your car and you've got your foot on the brake. So the fastest way to accelerate your business in this problem is just take your foot off the brake. Yeah. Stop getting in your own way. Yeah. Uh, and that's and that's what I found back when I was started as a physiotherapy. It's like you're getting in your own way. You've got the foot on the brake of your own recovery from this injury. Just do what I tell you. Just you know, stop getting in your own way. So that's that's my favourite way of helping people to start with, just to make sure they're not getting in their own way. And then the next level is, hey, well, 
what skills have you got? What's what's the best way of using your skills? And I, and I don't mean, and, and people often think about this, well, what are my strengths? My strengths are this. And then immediately you ask about someone's strengths, what do you have to then talk about? Their yep. weaknesses. Right. And I don't like that because people don't like admitting weaknesses because it makes them feel bad. But I just simply say to people, what are you most valuable at? Because usually what you're most valuable at is what you enjoy doing. So if you can spend most of your time doing what you're most valuable at and most of the time enjoying, guess what? Your business is going to do well. Then the area of your business, and this is when you start creating teams and become leader of your, especially if you're moving from solopreneur, you know, solopreneur does everything, runs out of time, caps what they can do, the success they can have. You say, well, what are you best at? What, What are you most valuable at? Do that as much as you possibly can in the real world and then get somebody else who's good at the stuff that you are not so good at, you're not so valuable at, who really is most valuable at doing that bit. And that's when you start creating a team structure where everybody actually enjoys what they're doing most of the time. So it's very simple. Don't think strengths and weaknesses. Think value, value of your behavior, value of your intellect, your skills, your knowledge, your experience. Excellent. There are a lot of coaches around. Do you have an idea as why coaching and mentoring has become so popular? I think it was called the recession. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good answer. (laughs) The answer. People lost their jobs and went, well, I can be a coach. So there is a need for mentoring, uh, but a lot of people don't know the difference and, and there's arguments around that. But... Uh, I think if you want the, the cynical answer, it's the recession back in 2008. If you want the the more pleasant and, and, and equally valid answer, people like helping people. People like helping people with the knowledge and experience that they've accumulated. And I, I suppose a third answer, it's actually quite a cheap business to open up on. Yes, it's a, there's a low, there's a low, low bar barrier. to entry. Mm. Exactly. It's also competitive hard to differentiate and most people fail and most people just regurgitate theories they read out of books and stuff like that there's absolute need for coaching and mentoring and training because if you look at every um, successful sports person um, they spend all their time being coached yeah they're learning all the time to improve and, and i always say this about the difference between what businesses and sports people do is that um, top sports people spend 95 percent of their time training to get better and then one percent of their time or five percent of the time doing the job businesses are always doing the job and they rarely spend time developing their people true that is a good point and i think the reason for that is sometimes they don't have the faith in their people or the interest in their people that would be my mm-hmm. perception um but it, is that very similar to that working on your job, in your job analogy? Yeah, and this is what I say to leaders. They say, where are you most valuable? You're, you're most valuable working on the big decisions of where your business is going to go. But most people, if they, are, they haven't got the people, they haven't got the people working at the right level, they haven't got the management processes in, people get, take, you know, they can't spend enough time thinking strategically. So they end up down in doing management processes or low-level task processes. So it's, are you letting yourself be strategic, but also have you set the environment up of your business to be able to step out and have conversations and have ideas and mentor your own people to work at a higher level? Because leadership 
there's, there's one word I put with leadership more than any other, which is leverage. Okay. I always say to, so solopreneurs or individuals cannot, cannot create more time. That's, that's where solopreneurs get into trouble. They, they start their business or they, and they, they run out of time because there's only a certain amount of time and they, they may be successful, but they simply run out of time. They might leverage uh, great uh, systems as best they can, but they run out of time because it's only 24 hours in a day. So no individual can create more time, no matter what efficiency processes you use. But a leader can create more time by leveraging the skills, the knowledge, the experience, and the enthusiasm of the people they employ. So when they can leverage the time and all that experience, then they can take away the jobs that they are not most valuable at, so they can then move to how do I move my company forward? How do I think about structuring this? I need to spend some time with Fred because Fred, is really good at their job, but I now need them to work at the next level. Let's spend some time working on Fred. So you're leveraging Fred's skills. Now Fred has three people working for them, and now those three people are working better, more happily. That's what a business leader in my, my book should be doing, leveraging the skills of the people they employ. And if you get, you get more out of your people in a nice way without them having to do crazy hours, then your business is more successful. That's what, for me, leadership is all about. When we were speaking earlier, I made a note here, sports people and success, because when I go to a lot of these seminars and events that happen, sort of like at Excel or whatever, they have business people, but they all have a sports person that appears. And, there's, you know, mm. somebody like Chris Akabusi is the type of person that would end up yeah. being in one of these places and basically talking about all oh, the relationship between uh, sports success and business success. Now, mm. as a physiotherapist, which is, you know, some of your work would have been in the sport world. Did you ever have sports people who really their injuries were really purely down to their mindset as opposed to necessarily their ability? Oh, yes. Uh, and what I'm, I want to mean by absolutely is because sometimes they don't know when to stop <laughs> a lot of injuries come from and i have got to put my ha hands up to this because i'm exactly the same and most entrepreneurs will will identify this oh, let's just do that one more thing let's just do that extra job because that you're driven and that's yeah. why i like working with entrepreneurs and business leaders entrepreneurial people within in corporate structures as well so they're all entrepreneurs some people like their own business and some people like working entrepreneurially in big organizations it's, but they're, they're still entrepreneurial thinkers but one of the things we have a hard time doing is going it's time to stop time to rest time to recover and a lot of injuries are created because we don't stop because of that entrepreneurial drive to keep going to keep going to push and actually some of the best coaches actually the ones that say stop rest go home do no more because you're physically you need to recover but also creative uh, in terms of creative thinking we're taking it back into business when we're under stress when we've got so much to do when we've got problems the first thing to disappear out of your brain is creative thinking yes we we go polar so basically you know i hate to use it because people overuse this um we hit the fight and flight mechanism when we're so stressed and what we tend to see is only a couple of very bad options so real control is created by the ability to create options and then pick the best one to solve that problem or hit that goal. So under stress, your body shuts down. Of its course. ability to, because it's just like survive. So if you are working crazy hours and you are having your head in every single decision because you won't delegate or you haven't trained people how to think at the level you need, to make the decisions that they should be making for you, you're going to be tired. And then you can't think creatively and 
and easily to think on the really important decisions you are as at the level you're at. Of course. We mentioned coaching and leadership mentoring. What are the myths surrounding coaches and mentoring that you'd like to take the opportunity to dispel? Coaching is only about the future. Okay. That's nonsense. That's nonsense because it can't be because it's the, it's the way most coaches get around saying, well, I don't do therapy because business people don't do therapy. Now, the reason, the reason you, the, the, as a physio, you're doing physiotherapy is because you're fixing something. Right. So, someone on Saturday was playing football, twisted their ankle, now they need therapy. But the reason why they want, to, want some help is because they want to play next Saturday. So that's about the future. Right. So, so dividing up timelines of thinking or behavior is crazy because your level of ability to think about your future is based on what you've learned in the past. Now, it's whether you are prepared to change that thinking from the past and understand where it comes from. And this is where the, the sabotage thing comes. Every single person I've worked with, it's, they've learned something in the past which they're using now, which may or may not be appropriate. And if it's highly inappropriate, meaning someone got bullied, so they never stand up in a meeting just in case they're going to get bullied or shouted at or laughed at. Um, and this happens a lot, I promise you. You know, fear of public speaking is because we don't want to feel bad about ourselves because people might judge us, the yes. most core thing. So that, that usually comes, that's from your past because everything we are now comes from our past. So to say, I only work on the future, it's like saying, well, you're not working on the person who's sitting in front of you because everything that is in their head has come from the past. Mm. So if you're asking them to change something to go to the future, they've got to base it on something, which is who they are now. So this crazy, you know, thing about, and it just is, it's actually insurance and I don't do therapy and business people don't want to feel like they're doing therapy because we're just moving forward. But I promise you, when the doors are shut, when the, the privacy is there, and they say, I need to work on the team structure. I need cross-functional relationships between my teams. And then they talk about them. So how do you feel about what's going on? They ask two questions and then they go, I really get really stressed over this. And I remember, boom, when I was 15, I got this happened to me. Happens 90% of the time. Now, we don't want to, that, <laughs> we don't want to broadcast that to people because it's embarrassing. But if everybody saw each other's sessions, they'll go, oh, you get stressed, you get upset, you get worried. That's just being human. Of course. Through the work that you do at a certain change, really rebuild leaders. Would that be a, a wrong phrase to use? Or That's an interesting way of putting it. I actually, I actually help them decide whether they are a leader or not. Because okay. a lot of the blocking is I actually work with somebody as a leadership and management program. Uh, I asked the question, are you a leader? And there was eight people in the room at the time. One person put the hand up and the other seven said, no, I'm not. And I said, how many of your managers? The one person who put his hand up being a leader said, I'm not a manager. And the other seven put their hands up. Now, the interesting thing is they were all leaders in terms of what they were doing, because these were all senior people for this company developing this software that 5,000 people then had to build. And they were the leadership of the ideas, but they never thought of themselves as leaders. Yeah. And this is the difference between who do you believe you are and what skills you have. Yes. So I was working with a, a CTO and he said to me, um, do I have to like, you know, we we're talking about his need to learn to be a better people manager because he's a chief technology officer. He spent the last 20 years talking to his computer. He's an absolute <laughs> genius at it. So he's, he's woken up. He's doubled his staff size in the last six months. He said, we're going to do it again in the next six months. And we have no team structure because he's going from 
to, you know, start up to scale up and then to mature. So he's looking at it and, and good for him. He's gone. We have no, we have no structure because we've just been a startup and everyone's been diving in and, and we all shout at each other across the desk, you know, great. But now he's getting to the point where it's getting chaotic. So he said, basically, can you teach me how to manage people? And, and I said, shall I put you out of your misery? And he said, you don't have to like doing this. Let's keep you being the innovative leader of technology, but let's train you to be able to lead and manage people enough so you can lead your managers. So they actually make it sure that all your projects get done. And the relief on his face, because he's, he's, he's genius, he's, he's, um, his value is being the chief technology officer, not the person who runs the teams. He needs to run his managers and let them be really good at running the teams and the projects. And so it all depends on the person, back to your question. It all depends on your person. What, what do they need, what they're best at? And then we design the program and then their team structures to support them. So everyone can do what they're best at and enjoy most, basically. That's the idea. Well, now we're going to move on to what we call um, a section called What Are You Like? Uh, where, we dis <laughs> where we discuss <laughs> certain things that people have put um, um, in their pre-show questionnaires as what they enjoy in their spare time. I'm going to go to your favourite book. And I don't know if you remember what you put down as your favourite book. I don't know because I changed my mind. Might have, been the God, might have been the Godfather. You did put down the Godfather. And yeah. I, when I saw that, I did smile because for some strange reason, gangster books and organised crime books seem to feature a lot in entrepreneurs' um, mm -hmm. uh, selections, which is I find quite fascinating. It really does. The amount of time that, say, Casino, The Godfather, Goodfellas... Um, Shall I tell you, can you give, you my, give you my reason why? Please. I, think I, 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 I was thinking about this. I know you're going to ask me this question. Because they choose to live how they want to live. They're entrepreneurs. Then they may be on the wrong side of the law and then they usually come a cropper with it, but they decide to live by their own rules and that's what entrepreneurs want to do. Okay, yeah, I've never seen it or thought of it like that. Strange how it comes up so often as, you know, I look at the genre and I laugh every time I see it because I think, wow, this, this is a thing. The only people that pick gangster movies like that as favourite movies are rappers for some strange reavers. And I don't know rappers and entrepreneurs whether they have a synergy and they don't really know it. But um, uh, that's something that I'll probably investigate at some point going forward. Mm. So that's interesting. I mean, because, well, it's a classic book, you know, it's a classic film, etc., etc. There's nothing, there's not really much more that can be said about The Godfather. What have you got as your favourite album? Um, I think that that was a tango track, actually, I think. Yeah. From uh, Deste Delma. Yeah, yeah. Deste Delma, yeah. But Osvalda Pugli Osvalda Puglesi. Puglesi. Osvalda <laughs> yeah. Puglesi. Sorry, Mr. Puglesi. I missed your name up. Um, I've never heard this. I think I've been probably pronounced it really badly as well. So no, 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 no. I think you, <laughs> you've, you've, you've got a lot closer than that. So Desde Dalma by Osvaldo Puglesi. Um, it's a tango, right? This is, this is new um, uh, for us here on the Cashflow Show. Why a tango? Are you a, a dancer yourself? Or yeah, a... yeah, I, I danced tango for the last 12 years. And it's, he is probably one of the most complicated of composers to dance tango to. And it has melody and rhythm and it interlocks and it changes very quickly. So when you start learning tango, tango is a very hard dance. And I, I learned it with my lovely lady. 
and we learned it together. And everyone said, how did you survive your relationship <laughs> learning tango at the same time? Because it's incredibly difficult. We tend to blame each other. So it actually, it's, it's, it's my favorite tune because when you dance to it, you have to be a leader. Yes. And you have to work as a team and you work for the benefit of your lady. But it's so complicated and it changes, but it's also a beautiful track. And you have to be in the moment, only focusing on the music and the person you're dancing with. So it's always, it's actually more about um, the, the, the joy of learning it, and the difficulty of learning something so completely complex yeah. like tango. And actually, it's about our relationship. Yeah. It's about cementing our relationship together. Okay. Absolutely brilliant. As I said, yeah, I saw that and I thought, because when I saw the Osvaldo bit, I thought, okay, this guy is of South American, but could he be, you know, Argentinian? And then obviously now you've told me that it's a tango. That's a dance I've always wanted to do. I, I do like the the romantic side of the old tango. Yeah, I, I think uh, I'd have to go through a process of actually <laughs> putting my head down to learn that as a, it's not easy yeah. at all by any stretch of the imagination. Um, no, it's not. It's very difficult, <laughs> but it, and it's completely improvised. Yeah, oh. you never do the same moves again. Okay. So the person you're dancing with could be a complete stranger, and you've got to create as the leader, whoever the leader is. Yeah. Traditionally, the man, but it can be a woman. It can be. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's if the leader takes the music, puts the moves into place, and has to communicate what they want from the follower so the follower can understand and then the follower gets to enjoy embellishing it and creating their own personality it's a teamwork exercise yeah it's uh it's uh it's just a joy i love it well i've got as far as salsa but not as far as tango i haven't got that farther south yet so ah. <laughs> but um just... i'll put it on my list <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Let me know how you get on. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll probably end up sort of go. Uh, I don't think I'm ready for Strictly yet, but um, I, I'll at least have a try at some point in the future. Yeah, well, let's, let's talk about that the better. Okay. I get the feeling that's not authentic, so I won't say anymore. So yeah, anyway. you, you've got a film, and what do you remember what film you chose? Uh, 12 Angry Men, I would think it would be. Now, Was it that one? Yeah, and there's a what theme coming through this. It's whether it's the dancing and the uh, of the music or or the um uh, the the feel of the book of the godfather and 12 all of these things seem to echo leadership actually the 12 angry men i think the one that about for that if people have never seen it it's an amazing piece of uh cinema but it's about leading well it is leading people but it's about actually um looking at how people think which is obviously my thing and it's about overcoming prejudice and and you know seeing what we only think we can see and actually having someone or someone strong enough to actually say no i'm not going to go with the status quo here because i don't think this is right and the prejudice of the 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 character who was it's it's a it's a courtroom scene but really it's the jury have you never seen it it's the jury yeah debating whether this um, uh, uh, Puerto Rican kid back in the 50s or whatever it was, was, you know, guilty for this crime. Mm. And who are these 12 people making a good judgment on his life? And because he's a kid from the wrong side of the tracks, well, he must have done it. And it's the, it's the pulling apart of their prejudice and their thinking and the, the way they just look at life. And 
I just think it's a very clever piece of cinema because I've, I've I've been lucky enough to travel around the whole the world. I've been all over the place. And people are basically the same with some cultural differences on top. We've yeah. all got the same sort of stuff going on. Yeah, exactly. And if we, we spend more time listening to each other rather than trying to be right um, in our views so we feel good about ourselves for being important and powerful and clever, clever uh, we will be right more often. Yeah. And that's what I really like about that. So I think it's just a great film. Excellent. Thank you there's for not, sharing. There's, there's not many explosions and things going off in that film, but I do like <laughs> no. that stuff too. Taught cool, courtroom drama, you know, tight psychological yeah. drama. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> so going back to a certain change, as a business, what can somebody who's listened to you today, what can they expect if they were to become a client of yours? Understanding people deeply in one way, shape or form, either it's themselves or the people they lead. If you understand people, then you can lead them. You can manage them. You can help them. And it, I, I like results. I, I like I like problems. I like results. Sitting down with my client and just saying, what's your problem? Where do you want to go? What do we need to do in the middle? So I'm, I'm, I'm quite straightforward like that. But helping them get out of their own way so they can get on with it and helping them do the same for their for their people. That's basically what we're about. Stephen, that's really been helpful. I'd like to be in a, in a position to let people know where they can find you. Some people will be listening to this and thinking, oh, this is interesting. He discusses some very interesting topics. He's put forward some great ideas and maybe they would want to be a part of that. So how would people get in contact with you? Uh, easiest way, if you go to the website, certainchange.co.uk. Is that all one contact. word? Yeah, all one word, certainchange.co.uk. Uh, or you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where I'm I'm the most on LinkedIn. So you can find me Stephen Bates, Certain Change. You'll find me quite easily on there. Excellent. And what about the social media stuff? Is that something that you do or do you stay away from those pesky kids? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm very heavily into uh, LinkedIn. Because, but uh, no, I tend to, I, I tend to, I don't do much on Facebook and, and, and I'm not on Instagram. Um, I know I should be, but, <laughs> but, but <laughs> we focus on LinkedIn. But taking your own advice, I think you can only be where you really like or you really feel comfortable. I think mm. LinkedIn, because I, I actually do like the LinkedIn as a platform. I think as a physical platform, I genuinely do like it. The only thing is that it's become very, you know, it's got a million and one polls. That's what it seems to be. And polls are about, do you like chocolate or do you like custard creams? And that's where I think it's maybe starting to go a bit wrong. It's becoming too much of a social, social network. But maybe I'm just bitter and twisted. I don't know. No, I think you have. It's, uh, you see some of the Facebook strategies coming over onto LinkedIn. Yes. But polls are good because I often run a poll um, on a Monday. But then what's your strategy to follow up to educate Correct. people about what you do? Correct. So it's it's there's a lot of you know we we know what it's like in facebook groups you know tell them uh if 30 minutes we had 30 minutes what would you say and it's like you know how not to put the same question up on facebook groups 20 times in a week <laughs> you know so and i think people have you know because of facebook tightened up in the last year or so and they became you know a lot of group group owners have got very fed up with people pitching um and people who are just bringing some of that stuff over into linkedin but at the end of the day um if you, linkedin needs a proper strategy and you know we get a, a lot of our business through linkedin 
Well, and if, but if that's how it works, then it's then it works brilliantly for you. So yeah. there's nothing more that really can be said than that, is there? If it's if it serves that purpose, the thing is, is that it's nothing worse than being on a social media platform that isn't working for you. It's just a waste of time. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Well, Stephen, we've come to the close of our show for today, but I would like to say thank you for being our guest and for taking the time to appear on the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. And I just hope some of the ideas I've given people have been helpful to them. But uh, yeah, you don't have to get in your own way. You really don't. It's, it's, a, it's a different world. Indeed. So thank you for your time. We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom, and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes, which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world. And spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for Real People, Real Business, Real Talk. Hey, Cashflow Crew. If you've ever wished that you could highlight episodes Kindle style and share specific moments, you can now do so using the Clever.fm app. In addition, you can filter episodes by tags, transcribe our episodes live, and click on links to things like books, articles, or definitions as you listen along. Download the app on iOS or Android by going to clever.fm and listen to the Cashflow Show for an enhanced experience. We'll see you there.